Thank you, Tim. Oh, you know, maybe I'm a little too predictable. Welcome home. Glad you're here. Um, we've already done this once, uh, and we had a great crowd of people, and, and the Holy Spirit's already buzzing in this place. So wonderful to have you here. Uh, so glad you came. A couple of announcements real quick. Um, Eric Williams, God bless you, man, and the whole worship team. McBride is gone this week. He is in on the front range ministering to another minister, friend of his, who needs to have somebody speak life and hope and encouragement into him. So we're, we're real grateful for that. Thank you, to Eric. Um, want to thank the college lunch folks, Sue Johnson, Janet Emilio, and their friend Janie. God bless you. Thank you. Janie, I'm sure you have a last name. I don't know it, but we're so grateful to you. God bless you. Sue is uh, Sue's around. It's just a beautiful thing you guys do. Um, November 14th, baby dedication, child dedication. Plan on it. You're going to be hearing more about it. Um, uh, second, uh, we're going to have uh, children's church at, at this service. So if you're between the ages of three and fifth grade and you want to go down in the youth room right through these doors, that's Cresia. She's a wonderful lady and she's going to be... Uh, just unpacking the gospel for young kids. So if you'd like to go, you may go. Um, we've got that. We're going to have Sunday school at the first service for young kids and then children's church at the second one. So if you go, this is the time. Yeah, enjoy that. So uh, that's great. Uh, 1230 today. If you're not here for the college lunch, new song, church um, is doing a chili cook-off to raise some money for the Wren family. And uh, that's a great cause. Uh, they just had a baby, had some medical expenses that uh, the body of Christ is going to help them meet. So um, you can go over there. You can stay here. Uh, 1230 multi-purpose building for that. Um, okay, we're going to pray because we've got a lot to do. Uh, one of the things that uh, today marks uh, the second year anniversary of the death of a young man who, um, who uh, was a member of our community here in Gunnison. His name is... Is Jake Wil, uh, Wilmore, and we, uh, his family and his friends are still going through uh, a lot, and we want to pray for the Wilmore family and, and for courage and strength and, and God's peace that passes understanding. So let's do that, and we'll pray for the service. Lord, um, you are the God of all comfort. Lord, I, I ask that your special blessing might be on the Wilmore family, and uh, Lord, you know... Um, what it's like uh, to lose your son. And Lord, that your hope, uh, your presence, um, your peace might be upon them, might be upon Jacob's friends. Uh, and uh, Lord, that you would continue to point us to hope and life in you. Lord, we pray for today that, Lord, you would remind us of your incredible love for us. Lord, let, let us see Jesus and, and him only and May we be changed by your word and your spirit. Lord, I ask you to forgive me my sins, and, and there are many. And Lord, that you would touch us and change us and leave us different. Thank you for being here. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, glad you're with us. We're in Acts 14. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. Um, this is a little bit of a sad day. We've been in Acts 14 for five weeks, and this is the last time we're going to do it. So, But God has had so much for us. Uh, it's, it's wonderful, and, and today is no exception. 
Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you might look under the seat in front of you. There are some there. If you don't own one, that's yours to keep. We're on page 790, 791, right around there. Um, but we're looking at the end of Acts chapter 14. Now, last week, um, we're actually going to pick it up, our study in verse 21. But just to set the context, I want you to take a look at, at the two verses before. This is what Paul has been going through as he preaches Christ. Um, verse 19 says, But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. They put the beat down on him really severely, right? And they drag him out. Verse 20, But when the disciples gathered around him, about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. So here's what happened. Paul got stoned to the point where his attackers thought he was dead and they dragged him out of the city. And what happens? The church gathers around him, right? And they pray and he rises up. He rises up, right? To new life. Such a great picture of the resurrection. And, um, and he goes back into the city where he just got stoned. Now, that's amazing. Paul has always been kind of, kind of a stud, but Jesus has taken it to a new level. He really has because Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul, right? He's beating up the church. He's persecuting the church. He hates Jesus. He hates Jesus' people. And he always kind of walked with swagger, right? Because he had, a, he had an army behind him, marching in and taking children away from their families and imprisoning people and beating some and killing others just because they believed in Jesus. But now Jesus has got a hold of him, right? He's got a new boldness, a new courage, and now he's getting stoned and he goes back, he rises up, goes back for more. Because there are still people there who don't know Jesus Christ. And they're not his enemies. Even the ones who stoned him, they're not his enemies. They're the captives. The captor is the enemy. And he's going because there's more people that need to get set free. That's bold. That's courageous. You need to see what a BA that, that Jesus has turned Paul into. You know what I'm saying? I think some of you do. So look at it this way. I mean, he got... He got the beat down. He's going back. He's going back. It's true. Now, Mark Driscoll, when he was preaching to a group of pastors, I was privileged to hear him. He said, you need to see the commitment. You need to see what Jesus Christ turns people into when he gets hold of their hearts. He makes them bold. He makes them courageous. Paul got stoned. He got up and he went back. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we need to be. He says, some of you pastors, you get one nasty email. You're on the couch in the fetal position. Your wife is rubbing your back. Man up. That's what we're talking about. That's what we see in Paul. That's what we can see in ourselves. 21, here we go. And when they, he's talking about Paul and Barnabas, had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. That's what happens when, when the gospel of Christ goes forth. Many people come. Many people come. I'm glad more people are coming here to be set free. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Now, this is amazing. This is amazing. He returns to Lystra, right? This is the place where he got stoned, right? And to Iconium and Antioch. Now, if you were looking at verse 19 when we covered that, those are where the people who did this came from. They tracked him down. They came from Antioch and Iconium to, to stone him, but he went back. Verse 22, we're going to camp out here a little bit later. It's so amazing. He went there to strengthen the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. That's beautiful. We're going to look at that. And saying that through many tribulations, we must enter 
the kingdom of God. Okay, just stop there for a second. Now, this shows us a little bit about how our minds are wired, how our hearts are wired. When you see that, that part of that second uh, part of verse 22, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Um, what's the first thing you think about? Oh, goodness. We're going to go through a lot, right? We're going to go through a lot. That's not the focus of this verse. The focus of this verse is not what we're going through. The focus of this verse is what we're going to. You see, so many times you and I look at our circumstances and they overwhelm us and we think, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to go through It's what we're going to and the person that's going with us in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that brings us through those many tribulations. Now, it's incredible. It's incredible. So we're going, we're entering daily even deeper into the kingdom of God, right? It's going to be fully realized when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom. But right now, it's in your heart. If you belong to Jesus or you become a Christian today, the kingdom of God is unfolding all this wonderful stuff in your heart that's going to be fully realized. That's what empowers you. Now, as an example, I want you to think about the Broncos, okay? That's an unpleasant thought for some of you, but do it. Um, Imagine that Jesus, the risen Jesus, appears to the entire Broncos squad in their, 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 their locker room before the first regular season game. And he says, guys... With all the power that I have, with all the knowledge that I have, I assure you, as sure as I am, you guys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Huh? You're going, no. Yeah, so if he says that, if he says that to them, how are they going to play differently? How are they going to play differently this season? Right? When the scoreboard says they're down when they're feeling beaten and, and defeated and the, the enemy or the, the, their opponent is stronger than, than they could ever be and, and they're fumbling and throwing interceptions, how are they going to play differently? They're going to play with a reckless abandon because they know from the God of the universe that they're going to win a Super Bowl, right? They're going to play differently. And the question is, if we know that we're going to win the Super Bowl of Super Bowls, we're going into the kingdom of God, how are we going to live differently? How are we going to speak differently? How are we going to believe differently? How are we going to act differently? We're going to do it with a confidence, with a love, with, a, with an endurance that, that many people refer to but seldom ever experience. It's incredible. That's what Jesus is saying. You're going into the kingdom of God. That's what Paul is saying. We're going together into the kingdom of God. Yes, there are going to be tough times. Yes, the scoreboard is sometimes going to make you wonder if you're going to win this game. You're going to win in Jesus Christ. He is coming. He is mighty. He is gracious. He is all-powerful, and he's coming. He could come back today. Some of you are hoping he comes back before the end of this message. But, um, okay, 23. And so what does Paul do? What does Paul do? And then they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting. They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, he gives them the church, right? This is to be where the place where their souls are strengthened, their hearts are encouraged to continue in the faith. That's what church is supposed to be about. That's what small groups, life groups are supposed to be about. That's what gospel community is supposed to be about. So he gives it to them and he gives them elders. We're going to talk about that later in the book of Acts when we get there. But elders, remember, they do three things. And basically, they shepherd the sheep, they teach Jesus, and they shoot the wolves. 
okay? Now, that's all for your glory and the advancement of the kingdom of God. So here we go, 24. And then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. Now, some of you don't go to Bible studies anymore because you're afraid somebody's going to ask you to read verses like that with hard to pronounce names. But you can, it's safe now. Come on back, come on back. And there they sailed to Antioch. He's got this first missionary journey. He's going back. He's tying it in a knot. He'll have others, but he's making sure that everybody gets visited. Everybody gets encouraged. Their souls are strengthened. They're going to continue on in the faith. Where they had been uh, commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. I just want to look at verse uh, 27 there, uh, that God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, uh, the Gentiles were the people that we were sure, you know, the people of God, the Jews were sure that God was not interested in, right? They are the people that the Jews had written off. They are outside of God's plan, outside of God's will. He doesn't choose these dirty, um, godless people. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And that's good news if you're like me right? He chose them. He opened a door of faith to them. And if you're far from Jesus this morning, you need to know he's opening a door of faith for you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ too, he's opening a new door of faith that you might come in deeper and know his love and experience it and spread it and return it to him and live in that life, that glory, that wonder. Oh, it's great. Now we're going to go back. I promise to verse 22 because it's so big. Paul strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. He strengthened their souls. He encouraged them. The the title of this message is, encourage me, encourage me. Because so many of us, um, what Paul recognized in the first century is is what is true now and will always be true, that um, if we're not encouraged, if we're not refocused on Jesus Christ, that... um, Souls can do the same thing that plants do. They can wither, right? And so he goes back and he encourages them. He strengthens their souls. And, and uh, you, this, is, this is a kind of interesting time of year. You know, we've had a beautiful fall, a gorgeous fall. Strings of days that are bright and crisp and they smell good and they feel good. And, but it's changing. It's changing. Have you felt it? Winter's coming. And that can happen in our souls, It's been a little gray and misty and a little darker than it usually is. And some of you know this weather pattern um, because it's in your heart, right? You know um, you haven't had a weekend of gray and and misty. You've had a month or a year or a life. Um, And that's why Jesus came. That's one of the reasons Jesus came. Um, When we go out uh, in town... Uh, we, we see a lot of aspen trees. So uh, I randomly went through town and, and ripped a couple of them apart um, and didn't get arrested. But uh, a lot of them that you see are like this, right? Um, they don't have as many leaves as they once did. Uh, the ones that they do have are, are being spotted with brown and black, and they're very fragile. They're one good windstorm or one rain away from falling you know, underfoot. Um, dying. Some of you know what this feels like. Some of you know what this feels like. There are other trees in town. Um, It wasn't hard to find. This was off a branch of an aspen tree. 
and it was hanging around the other branches, but this one was very easy to break off because there's no life in it. It was designed to have life, but there's no life coursing through it. You know what that feels like. I want you to imagine. Now, when I took this one off yesterday, it it was greener than it is now, but for the purpose of illustration, it has life. It has life. It's still green. Now, I want you to imagine going down Main Street and there's trees like like this and then there are trees like this and then in the midst of that, there's this beautiful tree that, that doesn't seem to be the victim of the weather, that doesn't seem to, to be doing what everyone else is doing. It's green and thriving and alive. You might go to the owner of that tree and say, what are you doing How are you gardening around this tree? What's the secret? I I want what this tree has. I want that inside of me. And if, if we see Jesus and allow him to be in our lives all the ways that he wants to be and do all the things he wants to do, then in the main street of the world, amidst people who are living lives like this, we'll have life coursing through us. Who's your dad? Who's your God? I want that. I need that. And this is, this is all of what this message is. Encouraged me because Paul went back and he strengthened the souls of the followers and he encouraged them to continue on in the faith. What did he say to them? What did he say to them? I believe that he reminded them of how much Jesus loves them. Now, if, if you could, uh, Ryan, pull up that picture of the tree. This is what I'm talking about, a tree that... that, that that has the love of Christ and, and it's fruitful. And, and you know, God talked about this. He talked about this in Psalm 1. Now, if you go to a concert and you're listening to a musician, they always start their set with a really good song, right? And, and Jesus, this comes from the Bible, actually, because the Psalms are songs to God, right? Uh, and, and the very first one talks about, talks about what's going on in this picture. In Psalm 1, verse 3, it says, the one who loves the Lord, the one who walks in his ways, here's what your life is going to be like. Here's what your life is going to be like. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not ever wither. It doesn't wither. That's what we're talking about. That's the life that Jesus has for you. And it's rooted, I believe, in the love of Jesus Christ. I believe Paul went back and, and, and you know, many weeks we, we plead with you to love Jesus, to, to fall more and more in love with him. And, and we'll continue to do that because that's essential. But it's rooted and grounded in the love that Jesus already has for us. So we're going to be talking about how much he loves you. And, and the purpose of this, we'll be sharing scripture after scripture of God's love for you, Jesus' love for you. And it's going to feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose. But I encourage you to continue to drink. Open your mouth wide. Take in as much as you can. And the stuff that you can't, just let it wash over you and drench you. Now, we're going to cover a lot of scripture, as I said. Uh, don't feel distracted by writing them all down. We're going to put it on the podcast, on the web. Attached will be the notes and all the scriptures that we talk about today, reminding you and strengthening your souls and encouraging you to keep on in the faith, to keep going. That's what we're talking about. And uh, so Jesus loves you. We'll start there. Jesus loves you so much. And it's not written 
just on the sand waiting for the next wave to come and, and wash it out. Ephesians 3, 17b and through 19, Paul prays, this is awesome, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that's the plant, right? You see it? Rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, that's us, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you would know something that surpasses our ability to know it. That's mind-blowing, okay? That's the definition of mind-blowing, that you'd have a mind-blowing appreciation for how much Jesus loves you, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, it's not written on sand. The next wave is not going to wash that away. He wants to write that on your heart. It's written in his book of life. Your name is written on his hand. He loves you. He loves you so. He loves you so very much that he died for you. This is all... This is just a taste of the gospel as we go forward. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the, the wonder of this verse is, when I was at my very worst, and, and there are many times you could say, this is the worst, and I've beaten those. Okay, at that very worst point in my life, at the very worst point in your life, with all the pile of guilt and shame and bad choices and sin, at that moment when you were most unlovely, Christ did the most loving thing. He paid our sin debt on the cross in our place as our substitute for our sins. He did the most loving thing when we were least deserving of it. You may have heard this. I heard this as a child. It's a, it's a little verse that, that somebody put together. I'll never forget it. He said, I asked Jesus how much he loved me. And he said, I love you this much. And he stretched out his arms and he died for me. He stretched out his arms and he died. I love you this much. Now, if you're the parents of kids or you've ever been a kid, you might have done this. We did this in my house. We would say to our parents, I love you. They said, I love you more. I love you more, more, more. I love you more, more, more. Well, that didn't happen all the time, but sometimes. And it would end, the game would inevitably end when somebody said, I love you, infinity. Well, what are you going to do after that, right? <laughs> Jesus is saying that to you personally now, right here, right now. I love you, infinity. And he means it. And he could deliver on that. He loves you so much because Jesus loves you so much. He not only died for you, he rose for you. We saw the power of the resurrection as the church got around Paul, and he was beaten down, and he rose up, and we did that last week for one another, right? In the power of God, 1 Peter 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter can hardly contain his enthusiasm as he writes this. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's all new. It's all new. The power of the risen Christ. He lives so that you might live, and we might live in him because we can have new life, new hope, new family, a new future. That's what he's all about. He's about resurrection life. Because he lives, we live and we live in him. And because Jesus loves us so much, he not only died and rose for us, he chose you. Verse, uh, the verse is Ephesians 1, 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay. Before Genesis 1, 1. 
before the very beginning, he chose you. He chose you. Now, this could blow you away if you're anything like me because the the reason that I coach the Bethany Belugas summer co-ed softball team is because nobody ever chose me for a team because athletically I'm a spaz. You say, no, it can't be, Tom, you're so ripped. I said, no, it is true. It is true. Um, And some of you know what that is, not in softball, but in life. No, nobody ever chose me. Jesus chose you. He's calling some of you. If you belong to him or he's drawing your heart in, it's because he's choosing you. He chose you before the foundation of the world to belong to him and have life in him. You say, well, maybe he never saw me play. Yeah, he did. And he wants you anyway. First team, all varsity, all state. He's putting you on the field because you're not going to play. You're not going to live in your power and your ability, but in his. He's calling you. He's choosing you. If you don't know the choosing of Jesus Christ and, and, and he speaks to you, respond to it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It is life. He chose you. And because Jesus loves you so much, he called you. Isaiah 43, 1b and 4a, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I have called you by name and you are mine because you are precious in my eyes, honored, and I love you. Now, how many of you have a cell phone and when it rings, you see who's calling and you decide whether or not you're going to pick it up. Now, for much of our lives, whether we're followers of Jesus Christ or whether we're still checking out his claims, he's calling you by name. You were his, and his name is showing up on the cell phone of your heart. And, and a lot of times we hit that button, you know the button I'm talking about, that says, you know, I'm not going to talk to you right now. Pick it up. He's calling you. Answer. Answer. He calls you. And because Jesus loves you so much, he saves you. He saves you. John 4, 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest, which means me made real, tangible, experiential among us. That God sent his only son in the world so that we might live through him. In, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Big word, payment, ransom. We racked up quite a debt, you and me, both from our first parents and through all the choices that we've made that have disappointed God and taken us in paths of destruction rather than in paths of light. And he says, I have set you free. I have come and in my spirit, by my forgiveness, By the power of my cross, I have saved you. I have become full love, full payment, full ransom. Stop living to try to earn my love. Live in the light of the fact that you already have it. And it's so amazing. He loves you so much. He not only saved you, because Jesus loves you so much, you need to hear this. Some of you desperately need to hear this. He does not condemn or reject you. John 3, 17, for God did not send Jesus, his son, into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The message, the good news is not one of condemnation. It is the fact that he has paid the price so that there is no condemnation in him. If we're in him, he has paid the price. This picture, this painting is what Jesus does. He absorbs, he absorbs all the sin and all the all the destructive tendencies, habits, addictions in our lives, and he, he pays the price for that. 
And he replaces it with himself if we, if we only trust in him. There is no condemnation. That's what Romans 8.1 says. Some of you need to tattoo this on your heart because you don't get it. You, 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 because people come to my office or, or stop me and they, they say that they have a laundry list of all the things they've been through, all the sins that they've committed and they've come to Jesus and all the guilt and all the shame is still on them. And Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They said, wait, but you don't know what I've done. There is therefore no condemnation. You don't know the things that I've thought. There is no condemnation. You don't know how long I've been in this ditch. You don't know how long I've been in this life pattern. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The good news is this, that your worst moments do not define you. You are not an adulterer. You are not a cheater. You are not a thief. You are not this. You are not that. You are Christ's best moment. That's what defines you in Christ. You are his. You are his child. You are his creation. And in him there is no condemnation. And the enemy is is called in scripture the accuser of the brethren. It's one of his names. What he does is accuse us of things in our past that Jesus has already forgiven. Don't believe it. Because in Christ, there is no condemnation. No condemnation in him. Okay, that's great. He loves you so much, he's coming back to take you home. Now, um, these are some amazing images. I want you to try to picture the Mark 13, 26 through 27. And then they will see the Son of Man, Jesus, coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect. That's some of you. If you belong to Jesus Christ or you become a Christian this morning, he will gather you from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. He's coming back. He's coming back. That He could come back today. Does that reality infuse you with hope and endurance? You're going to win the Super Bowl. He's coming back. He's coming back. Let that hope, let that go. He's coming back for you. He said this to his disciples because he was getting ready to sacrifice his life, to go to the cross, to be executed for them, for us. And he's telling them, you guys, I know that you've fallen deeply in love with me. That's how it should be. But I'm going away. I'm going away. And and they were deeply troubled. They were deeply troubled. So he comforted them with this word. John 14, one through four, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He is God. Verse 2. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. He's coming back. He's preparing a place. This is not our home. We could get through We can get through, we can spread his love, we can go through anything because he's coming back, he's preparing a place. And Jesus loves us so much, he is rescuing us. He is rescuing us. And who doesn't know the truth of this next painting? If you bring that up right. This guy is drowning and the the waves are coming in, they're overwhelming him, they're crashing over his head. And, And which one of us doesn't know the fact that sometimes we feel overwhelmed and we're trying to gasp a breath that is actually air and not water, right? And Jesus is there. He's not on some high hill somewhere removed saying, swim back, swim harder, tread water. No, he goes in. He enters into 
all of that, and he lifts us up, and he rescues us. Psalm 121, 1 through 3, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Psalm 18, 16, he sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of the many waters. He'll do that for you. He rescues us because he loves you so much. And because he loves you so much, he sets you free. John 8, 36. For if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free from the pattern of destructiveness in your life. Free from the pattern of your thoughts. Free from the pattern of bad choices. Free from the pattern of despair. Free from addictions. Free from sin. Free from shame. That's what he wants to do. Set you free because he loves you so much. And because he loves you so much, he moved in with you. He lives in you. Jesus says this in John 14, 16 through 17. This is after he told him he's going to prepare a place. Listen to this. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, the word for another, it doesn't mean another of a different kind. The, the word in the Greek is another of the same kind. It's just like me. I'm sending another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. The spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus, indwells you, lives inside you. There are supernatural things happening as you move, as you think, as you breathe, as you speak. Does that blow you away? Or are you just like, yeah, I learned that in Sunday school. Jesus lives in me. His Holy Spirit is in me. The God of the universe wants to take up residence. (coughs) Excuse me. He is taking up residence in his people. What can you and I not go through? Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Because Jesus loves you so much, he is with you. He's in you. He will never leave you. He's stuck like Gorilla Glue. Let's see the joy that should come from that. Yeah. No. Yeah, there you go. And he tells us, he tells us in Psalm 145, 18 through 19, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears her cry. He saves them. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to leave you orphan. I'm not going to leave you as sheep without a shepherd. I'm not going to leave you as people without a God. I'm not going to abandon you. I am not one of those parents who locks their children in the basement and goes out to party. I'm not one of those parents who in the summertime takes their kids to the mall and locks them in the car as they bake. I'm not doing that. I'm never leaving you. Never. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm with you, I'm in you, and I'm not going anywhere. That's incredible encouragement. That's incredible joy. That's incredible because he loves us so. And because he loves us so much, he provides for you. He provides for you. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. He'll meet your every need, financial, relational, emotional, for for purpose in life, for hope, for joy for forgiveness, for life. And because Jesus loves you so much, he is carrying you. And some of us really need to know that we are in the arms of Christ and you are, if you belong to him, he is carrying you. I I won't do the uh, footprints of the sand because, you know, you have it embroidered on your toaster cozy. Back home, you can read it. But um, 
The Bible says this in Isaiah 4, 46, 3 through 4. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who, who have been born, carried by me from before your birth. Before the day you were born, he was carrying you. Can you wrap your heart around that? That's wonderful. He was carrying you. And he continues on. Carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. To the gray hairs, to the blue hairs, as old as you get, I'm carrying you. I carried you before your birth. I'm carrying you through your death into life with me. I'm carrying you. I will carry you, he says. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and I will save. That's for you. Why? Because Jesus loves you so. And he loves you so much, he doesn't only want you to know he's carrying you. He wants you to know that you know that you know that he's carrying you, that you experience that. And in Isaiah 40, 11, he says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them close to his bosom, close to his heart, so you can feel the very heartbeat of God. His arms are wrapped around you. He is carrying you. He is your strength. He is your endurance. You can go on. He loves you. He's not going anywhere. He's carrying you. Keep going. Be encouraged. Have your soul strengthened. He is carrying you because he loves you. And because he loves you so much, he gives you rest and revitalization when you're exhausted. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says this, come to me. This is for you. Receive it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. If you're physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationally, schedulally, in your calendar, exhausted, you know, come to Jesus. He is rest. He is revitalization. He will, you will find rest for your souls there. He is the hammock for your soul. And when you get up, he will infuse you with life refreshed and revitalized and endurance that makes marathon runners and iron men look like wimps because your source of strength, your source of endurance, your source of being able to go on is him. And it's, it amazes me. People say, well, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping in today because Sunday's my only day to sleep in and get the rest I need. There's no rest apart from Jesus Christ. That's soul level rest. It's in him. Press into him. Spend time with him. He, that is rest for your souls. And, and, and that's what we need. He is spiritual rest. Rest in him. And because he loves you so much, he is your hiding place. This is a beautiful image of, of a baby being swaddled, but we stop swaddling, don't we? Jesus never does. He is your hiding place. He is the place where you can run and be swaddled. Psalm 91, 1 through 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Some of you need to run away and find a hiding place. He is your hiding place. You can run to him in the midst of whatever you're going through. He is your hiding place because he loves you. That's him. And because he loves you so much, he makes you bold and courageous. And we saw this in Paul. And in Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says, to those going out into battle, be strong and courageous. Do not fear in dread of them, your enemies, for it is the Lord, your God, who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God gives us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind and self-control and and. 
if God is our hiding place, if God is going with us, if Jesus Christ is going before us, if he is our strength, if he is our love, if we truly know how much he loves us, then we're not going to go through life the same. We're not going to play this season the same because we know who he is. We know who's with us. We know we're going to win the Super Bowl. Amen? You need to take your pulse. Come on. We're going through. We're almost there. But it gets better. It gets better because we don't need to go through life. What if, what if we spent as much time, what if we changed a little bit? And instead of telling Jesus only how, how big our problems are, what if we faced our problems and we told them how big our Jesus is? Amen? We would go through life. We would play the season. We would play out life differently. These are the Chilean miners, right? Some of you feel like you've been underground. You've been hidden. You've been unrescued for a long time. He's saying, I am your hiding place. I'm coming. I'm coming to get you. He gives us an indestructible life. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus, the resurrected life, might be manifest, real in our bodies. The life of Jesus in you can't be diminished or destroyed. You don't know what I'm going through. You're right. I don't. You don't know what I've seen. I can't go on. Then you're just where he wants you because he can. And in him, you can find rest. In him, you can find healing. And you will find life and you will have the courage. You will have the strength. You can go on. He gives you an indestructible life, not a regular life that kind of goes from life and gradually as you get older, even older than me, you know, you, you have death kind of creeping in on you. Life in Christ is ever increasing life. And at the end of this life, it's swallowed up in life and it just keeps a crescendo of life rather than the natural progression, which is the more we go, the more closer we get to death. No, the more life. And because Jesus loves you so much, he gives you endless hope. Endless hope. This verse has incredible power. Uh, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You may abound in hope. You have reason to be hopeful because Jesus loves you so much. He will always give you another chance. Acts 3, 19 through 20. Repent, therefore, turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come. That's what we're talking about. Encourage me. Strengthen my soul. Give me courage to continue on in the faith. Times of refreshing will come when we turn around, we repent, and those times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, the verse says, that he may send Christ appointed for you. He's calling you. You haven't run out of chances. We don't serve a God who is a heavenly scorekeeper. Okay, you had 199 chances. You just blew it today. No more. No more for you. That's the hope of the gospel. Return. There is light. There is hope. There is peace. There's another chance in the cross, in repentance. Times of refreshing and encouragement will come come and he loves you so much. We're getting close to the end. He erases your past. This is great news. This is great news. Isaiah 43, 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake. I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your sins. We touched on this. We touched on this in Romans 8, 1. We're going to reload. It's so good. You got to get it again. Here it is. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now how much condemnation? 
No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Your past does not define you. Jesus defines you forgiven and free in him. And because Jesus loves you so much, he gives you a power-filled life. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He gives you a power-filled life with his power to do his will. And you can always have it. You can always have it in him because he loves you so much. Philippians 4, 13. For I can do how many things? All things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the truth. And because Jesus loves you so much, he never stops loving you. Wrap your heart around this. Romans 8, 35, 37 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he answers the question, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loved us and loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. And and did he leave anything out? In case he did, he gets it here. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. You are not a good enough sinner to separate yourself from the love of Jesus Christ for you. No circumstance is strong enough. Nothing in all creation is strong enough to separate you from the love of God. Do you you get that? Do you get that? Those of us who feel unloved and unlovely, nothing can separate you from his love. It's that strong. It's that strong. You know the song, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide. Don't leave me hanging. Wide enough. Keep him from loving you. Right? You were leaving me hanging. We were going to sing the ah. Now we're not. But that's true. That's true. Nothing. Nothing's going to stop him from loving you. And because he loves you so much, he makes the finish line of life glorious. Through many tribulations, we will enter the kingdom of God. He makes it glorious. Revelation 21, 3 through 5. Here it is. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And here's the promise. Here's the promise. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus loves you so much that he has made the finish line glorious. This is a picture from the Hubble telescope. Millions of light years away. God is showing off his beauty to people who may never even see it. If he did this for the planets and the stars, how beautiful it will be to be in his presence and be made new. 
but you need not wait for the finish line, for the reality of being made new to take hold within you. These truths that we've shared are just a taste of the beauty of the love of Jesus. They are transforming my heart and my life and the hearts and lives of many people here. We can take that next step this morning. Many of you know, many of you know what this life is like, just barely hanging on. The next wind, the next rainstorm, the next wave might just take you apart. Some of you know what this is. Trying to live a life without life. Trying to live a life without Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. He wants this for you. A life attached to life. Attached to him. That his life would course through you. That even when all around you, leaves are being stripped, branches are being torn, you have life. Not just for now, but for all eternity. We plead with you every week to love Jesus more. But it's in the light of his incredible love for us that we do that. He loves you so much. Take hold. Take hold and live. That's his invitation to all of us this morning. Let's respond. Let's pray.